everyone. Thanks for joining me in this episode of How Much Greater Podcast. We are in a Mark's Mentor series where I'm doing a three-part interview with Greg Graham. So if you're just joining us and listening for the first time, I encourage you to go back and listen to part one and part two of this interview. Today is part three, the conclusion of this interview. And you're going to find out, believe it or not, what a left-handed center with a right-handed quarterback has to do with systems thinking and education. You're going to find that out today on this third part of our interview with Greg Graham. We're going to go ahead and jump right in. I enjoyed, you had a blog post in February of 2019, a new debate in sports, uh, the GOAT, the greatest of all time debate. Um, and one of the statements in there was the team effect does not just add to the individual's contribution, but multiplies it. And I know with your coaching background, I'm curious, um, can you think of an example where you saw this in your coaching days? Oh, yeah, absolutely. The, the first thing that comes to my mind is um, just on offense, the center quarterback exchange of the, of the snap. Hmm. It, you know, that, that's one, and it starts the play, and it's something that every day at practice we started quarterbacks and centers to get together and get snaps as long as I've been a coach. Uh, you know, we've – football's progressed now where everybody's in shotgun, but – in my early days, we were under center all the time, mm-hmm. and, and that is very important. And I remember uh, my dad being an old coach. He was actually – he'd been an offensive line coach, too. And I didn't realize this. I, I was coaching, like, a freshman team or something. He came to, like, one of my games, and he says, you got a left-handed center and a right-handed quarterback. <laughs> so what are you talking about? And, and, and I, you know, I don't want to get too into the weeds here, but – the way the, the center sets the ball to the quarterback when the quarterback's under center, the yeah. way they hand is placed, if you have a right if they have a left handed center and a right handed quarterback, the ball hits the hand at a funny angle. Okay. So the, okay. the long part of the ball hits the hand where the thumb and the, the pinky finger would so you can't grip a ball that way, it's a long way. Yeah. But if you so, have a right if you, so it's like I always had a right handed snapper if I had a right handed quarterback. I'm like I sense. never thought about like, it down that, to that, that detail. That makes sense because the better fit. Yeah. Um, and so my first thought is when you have a bad snap, it's actually division versus multiplication. Mm. <laughs> because if you have a turnover, it, it, it can lead to them scoring. It's like it, it just compounds the situation. Not only do you have a bad play or a wasted play, the other team can get the ball and then score. It's just – it's so that's that's – my first thought of hmm. uh, second thought though, uh, I thought of this. Um, so when I was at Cedar Park High School, the the last three years I was there, we had really good teams. Uh, the third year I was there, we were thirteen and one, lost in the quarterfinals to Lake Travis, who we had beat four weeks before. Hmm. Twenty one, we we beat twenty to one to twenty, and then the next year they beat us again, fourteen and nine. 
in the quarterfinals. And we were, they, we were the two best teams in the state. Yeah. Uh, the next year, we were not as talented, um, but we ended up winning state that year. One is we didn't face Lake Travis, but I will say this. <laughs> the last three teams we played that year, the last three teams were by far bigger, faster, stronger, more talented than, than, than our players were. And, but mm. it was, that team was, was so much, it was the interactions with the team, within the team. Those kids played so well together. Yeah. In fact, on the defensive side, um, about half of those kids that started on defense were on the B team as freshmen. Hmm. And they worked and worked and they, they, they gelled, they played well together, they grew up, and then they, you know, they just played well together. And yeah. that was the strength of our team that year was the defense. And, um, and that was probably the reason why we ended up winning state championships because of how well those kids played together. They actually, their talents were multiplied by the interaction versus, you know, the other kids were playing. They had great athletes, but they weren't playing well as a team compared to what our kids were playing so much better as a team than the, than the other team was. It just, it, and in fact, it was like, the quarterfinal, the semifinal game, both those games were – it was like no contest. We blew those teams out, and they were so much better than we were. The state championship wow. game was different. We we won, but it was – they were they were really good. And um, – but it was just – it was a uh, – we didn't – I don't know. I think we're kind of nervous about the game. But still, we shouldn't have – we should have been on the same field with that team. They were so much faster than we were. It's just – yeah, it was – it was pretty crazy. Uh, wow. That's but that, that would be the – that would be the multiplication, uh, I think, effect. Um, but that's a, that was a, a great uh, – I need to figure out – I need to remember the uh, equation, but Deming talked about that. That was his, his thought on the effect of the system. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's kind of foolish for us to say that this person is an MVP <laughs> because how do you – how do you – yeah, yeah, we – you know, Tom Brady is like – was the MVP, baby, but he had to have an offensive line to protect him. Yeah. He had to have a run, good running game. And the running back is only as good as their offensive line. Um, you know, when your running game is good and your passing game gets better, or sometimes your passing game is really good, your running game is better. It's just, it's all interactive. Yeah. So, um, it, being able to, to, like, talking about unknowable figures, we talked about that earlier. Yeah. There's no way to know the exact effect one individual has on the system. Hmm. You can't do it because there's too many variables that are unknown. Of course, if you have two unknown variables in an equation, you can't solve for either one of those. So that's another example of unknowable figures that that Deming talked about. And how much – and that's another thing is how much – impact the system has on our, our individual efforts. It's huge. It, and yeah. it's, it's, it's underestimated. We do not understand and we do not take into account how impactful the system is. And that, that was honestly, that's one of the things that I, I was frustrated with in, the, in, in public schools is seeing all the things within the system. It wasn't anybody's individual fault, but mm-hmm. everything that was uh, how impactful the system was on my efforts 
you know, mm. sometimes it, it helped me, but a lot of times it actually hurt me. Yeah. And, and it was very frustrating. And that's the thing that I, I would really hope that this, at this time we can really rethink how we're doing school. Um, and this is a good opportunity to do that. So, um, so anyway, that's, that's kind of my, um, what, what I think about, you know, un, like unknowable figures and the, the impact the system has on, on, uh, on, on an individual. It's just, it, it's, it's multiplication, not, not just addition. And I think it's, what is it the saying is the, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's the multiplication part. It's, there's a product there. And product, you remember from math, product is a math term that means multiplication. Yeah. And, and we are like the, the outcome is a product of the system. And it's, you know, it's 94% of the, the uh, influence of the system is on the product. I mean, it's, it's the proof is in the pudding. And it, you keep thinking about over and over again how impactful the system is on producing things. It's, it's almost like you have a great system. It does, almost doesn't even matter what your individuals are doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. the, the system ends up taking over. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's very impactful. So let me ask you, um, so definitely this point, cause there was one other caveat, uh, or, or another twist on that, this whole idea of focusing on improving the system and that's not telling people to work harder, but focus oh, yeah. on improving the system. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you've elaborated a lot on that part. So I guess my question and we're, and, and we're kind of transition into this, this, weird world that we're in right now also yeah. so mm-hmm. um so this question is kind of in general but also where we are right now because of what we talked about earlier the whole um idealized design and mm-hmm. you know just how would you design it so we we can come out of this whole coronavirus phase and have an opportunity to mm-hmm. redesign some things in education maybe not completely but redesign at least some major components mm-hmm. um so instead of telling people to work harder and say let's focus on improving the system, where do we start? So, so where is uh, just as, as simple as you can make it? What would be well at least if nothing else, go do blank. I think this is a great opportunity. Uh, I think you're right because now it's like um, school is not functioning the way it normally does right now. We don't have school like we mm-hmm. every day do. And it's it now it's we start I'm hoping we're able to see what is actually working for students. What mm-hmm. is actually working for what impacts learning? What really does? And um and and I hope that we start focusing on that versus grades. And I know mm-hmm. that's you know, we've talked about grades before a lot, and what what does a grade actually mean? And um, are we focused more on grades than than we are on learning? Um, so, one good thing I've seen about out of this uh, when I was I was driving through Austin to come out Houston uh, recently, and I, and I heard a commercial saying Concordia uh, Concordia uh, University is waiving the SAT, ACT requirement for incoming or for prospective students. Yeah, and I was like, that that's a start. Yeah, <laughs> and what I'm what I'm what I'm hoping is we start looking at some of these things that that we think are needed. Yeah, 
that are not necessarily needed. We can can we do without that? So, um, I would say this: if if somebody's interested in how we do school and changing how we do school, and want to learn more about what's been happening, like in very small pockets around the country, there's there's two there's two books actually I think that are very impactful. One, uh, it's uh, most likely to succeed by Tony Wagner and Ted Dennersmith. Um, and, and and they they look at what you know, what are some what are some bright spots around the country with, with what's what's happening you know you know who are the kids that are most likely to succeed what's why is it that they're why is it, why is their system uh, from, you know enable that to happen another one is uh, from Ted Dennersmith is what schools could be so what Ted Dennersmith did one year I think it's about over a 250 day period in in a year, he traveled all 50 states and visited different schools and saw innovation basically. Um, so he's he's really big into reimagining schools um, and what schools how we could change our system. One thing he sees, and Tony Wagner does the same thing. They see that the college entrance requirement is driving. Mm-hmm what our high schools are mm. promoting and doing. Because, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a big portion of our customer is the our kids are going to the college. We want to make sure that we're supporting kids so they can get into college, so they yeah. can get those requirements. I mean, that's that's smart. We should be doing that. Mm-hmm. So what they're doing is they're looking at how can we change that archaic system of college requirements. And, like, for one thing, it's the transcript. Uh, in the GPA requirements and the SAT and ACT uh, requirements. Um, Ted Bennersmith is a proponent of something called the mastery transcript. And there's a movement to change how we're doing our transcripts. And a big part of that would be if, if colleges and universities started looking at things that actually mattered versus a GPA. Um, yeah. we, I remember we had, probably in high school, the first year I was there, we had um, engineering students that, I don't know if you remember this, uh, there was a kid, like four or five years old, that, that they knew, one of the kids knew, one of our students knew, that um, had uh, a, not, it, the hand wasn't fully, def- uh, wasn't fully Oh, deformed. yes, yes, yeah, I do. created a mechanical hand for that kid to be able to grab things. Yeah. And, I mean, that was like, wow, what, I want to hire those three kids right now. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're right but do you, how do you, how do you, Document that in transcript. Right. I mean, and I guess in, in the college entrance requirements, there's a way kind of through essays and all that stuff, but it's not easily, you can't easily find that information in a transcript. In a transcript, the purpose of that is to be able to gather information very quickly to see meet requirements or doesn't meet requirements. I mean, it's, it's, that's what it is. So if we could change what the colleges are looking for, then maybe that may change what our high schools are doing, which then changes what our middle schools are doing, which mm-hmm. then changes what our elementary schools are doing. I mean, it can change the whole system. Yeah, so yeah. That's, that's one thing. Um, another thing, like you know, Ted Dennersmith talks about, um, I mean, and here's the thing. Ted Dennersmith and Tony Wright both have PhDs. So they've been successful in schools, but both of them, when they were in high school, 
middle school, elementary school were not great students. And they were they were not the people you would think would go on to go to college and earn PhDs. So from their experience, they're both looking at, okay, what is it that actually benefits our students in their learning and preparing them for the future? Uh, not, and I don't want to discourage anybody from going to college, but not, the college is not necessarily for everybody. Um, and sometimes, you know, we, we, there's an argument now, it's like there's so much debt that's settled by colleges for a student that they might be better off going to a trade school or doing something else. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some that end up going through college and they're like, oh, that, that's not for me. I, I want to go to trade school and have a, a career that may be more fulfilling for me right now. So um, there's not a one-way, one-size-fits-all uh, way of, of of post-high school education. So they're looking at what is actually beneficial for students uh, in the future, not just what has been done in the past. That you know, if you're if you're you know, we're in high school in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and even our time in the 90s, college was beneficial. Uh, it, it actually helps more nowadays. I don't know. I'm not I'm not, I'm not discouraging anybody from going right. to college, and, I, and it's hard for me to say college is bad or it's not for everybody. Yeah. But at the same time, it's it's not the end-all, be-all. It doesn't raise people from lower class to middle class like it did after World War II. So um, I, I, I like the work that they're doing to actually change some of the hope that, that we start looking at, like we talked about, some things we need to stop doing. If we stop doing, we could probably go a lot farther in, in improving the um, – education experiences for our students so yeah uh, I, I think that uh that whole uh, the college the university the higher education driver piece mm-hmm. to all of what go, is going on in education uh, so i have a senior right now daughter mm-hmm. and as a parent as an ed, as an educator it's really been one of the most frustrating <laughs> experiences mm-hmm. this, this whole the whole process and so anything that i think we could change there to uh would definitely be effective and helpful you said you mentioned uh can you did you how do you say his last name ted smith d-i-n-e-r-s-m-h and okay and also so tony wagner and ted dennersmith are both very active on twitter I think Ted Dennis is even more active on Twitter. He, he tweets all day long. So, uh, yeah, he's he's uh, he is. Both of them have very unique points of view on education, but I think very practical. Although mm-hmm. it's, on the surface it doesn't look practical because it's completely different from what we've done in the past. But I think they're focused on what's working for students, and which is why I like their their work. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's. That's that's great. Um, so, this is kind of my last question here. Um, with what we're in right now, you know, and some of the reforms we're talking about, we've talked about grading before and stuff, and uh, that's that's one of the things um, that we're living right now. Is it's it's really interesting to me that when we went into kind of this crisis mode and everybody goes, okay, well, what do we have to do that's just best for kids right now? Let's just let's mm-hmm. just focus on what's best for kids, what's best for kids. And one of the first things to go 
is the traditional grading system. Like, okay, yeah. well, we're going to shift that over here then, and let's focus on learning, and let's focus on feedback, and let's focus mm-hmm. on how we're going to be able <laughs> – it's just amazingly like, well, hey, wait. That's, um, and so somebody said the other day, you know, like, hey, we're going to do this for now, and then we'll we'll return back to normal later. Yeah. <laughs> and I, my my hope, and I am, I'm optimistic that we'll see some good reform and some changes out of yeah. this. My fear, and I don't mean to end the interview with a negative, but what what to you, when we come out of this phase, what would be the biggest blown opportunity? Like what would, <laughs> when we come out of this, what would we, because I, I feel like there's a chance that we could look back on this and go, oh, we, we had an opportunity to take advantage yeah. of what is a terrible situation. Um, yeah. Out of it with something better long term. So I, let me let me start with explaining why I think that happens. While we end up going back to what we are used to doing, and I think it goes back to what we talked about earlier, was you know we have this, I guess, mental model of what schools are supposed to be, based mm. on our own experience in school. And one thing I, I failed to mention, you think about the majority of, of educators did well in the education system. Right. <laughs> yeah. It worked for them, it, you know, and we know and that that was the thing that was surprising to me as a as a first year teacher is how many students struggle with like tests and that and I looked at it at the time I was like, man, these kids struggle, and I didn't realize no, I was struggling as a teacher, that's why they weren't doing so on the test, yeah, <laughs> but it was also it was like you know it, you know the 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 now I'm looking at it is like it's the system really wasn't beneficial to all those kids. but not to everybody. So I think the thing that would be missed opportunity would be changing the way we look or being willing to change the way we look at learning in the classroom, in in schools. Um, That would be the biggest missed opportunity. Because right now, like you said, hey, we're going to waive grades right now. We're just going to focus on learning. Why would we not do that from now on? And then, so like, that's the question to ask. What would happen? What would be the worst thing that would happen if, if we didn't if we didn't give grades, or we changed the or, or let's say we changed the way we provided feedback? We still have feedback. Right. I think it's important. Right. Uh, what would be the worst thing that would happen? Well, I guess people would say, well, kids won't do the work because it's tied to a grade. Well, why why are, why are we so dependent on grades? Hmm. Why is that? Why are we so dependent on I'm almost addicted to the idea that we should have grades. Um, another thing that I think about is our teacher evaluation system. Uh, mm. wh- why? What would happen? Like I'm assuming right now, this year, um, we're not evaluating teachers. Teachers aren't, aren't getting a, a, a summative conference and evaluation or anything like that. Is that true? So. Uh, th- in our district, anyway, there's. I think we're waiting on a little bit more guidance from the commissioner, and uh, we, districts are applying for waivers. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, right now, the way I understand it, it's going to be one of two situations: either they all get waived, mm-hmm. or teachers who have already had their formal observation for the year will mm-hmm. still go ahead and have a summative uh, evaluation written up. But either so, way, regardless, it's good, it's getting waived for a big chunk of yeah. teachers. So what would be the worst thing that would happen if, if we quit <laughs> evaluating teachers and putting numbers to those evaluations? That, mm-hmm. That's not to mean that we're not 
supporting teachers and helping teachers improve in the classroom. That's completely not, I think that's leadership wise, we should be doing that. But I remember um, when we went, when we moved to the new evaluation system, we were looking at the student learning objectives. And I remember going through a training on student learning objectives early on. And there were a number of administrators in, in this training. And I remember we were taught how to evaluate a student learning objective and rate student learning objectives. Mm-hmm. All right. And there were two things that came out of that. Now, the first thing that I saw was when we rated those student learning objectives, the different parts of the student learning objective, across the room, and there's probably 100 people in the room, across the room, I think there was a five-point scale, we ranged anywhere from two to five. <laughs> yeah. There was no consistency whatsoever. Yeah. And I guess you could work at that and continue to norm the process, and it would be more – but you're still gonna have a you're still gonna have variation in that. Right. The second thing I thought of was why are we putting a number to this? Mm-hmm. You know, why would we actually put a number to this? Because as a teacher, I'm tempted then to choose a, a student learning objective that would be easier for me to hit the target, not necessarily what was best for my kids. Yeah. So and then it, the argument could be made well, the teacher and the administrator are going to work together to make sure that, that doesn't happen or whatever. Well, okay, so I'm at the high school level, and I'm <laughs> I'm over science. I don't know physics. I don't know chemistry. I don't. I mean, I I know it from my education yeah. experiences, but I don't know the curriculum that well. Where I'm going to say, hey, wait a minute, is that really going to be the best way? I mean, is that really what's best for our kids and everything? So, um, so as a, and especially if I'm in a district that is tying the evaluation system where the student mm-hmm. learning objective would be involved in that, if I'm tying that to a merit pay, mm. I mean, if I'm a teacher, I'm trying to gain the system where I can get that extra money. Yeah. And if I'm an administrator and I think my teachers are not getting paid well enough, hey, I'm, I'm supporting them. I want them, to have, I want them to get that merit pay. I want them right. to do that. So, I mean, putting a number yeah. to that, this just introduces uh, – Cheating. I mean, it's at least the the chance for cheating. But that's the good thing I, I, I appreciate about Leander ISD. At least we threw out the numbers on the student learning objective, and it became to me it actually was a good um, to me from my perspective talking with teachers. It ended up being a positive experience. It was a learning experience for the teachers. They learned a lot through that that process, and I did too. So it was when you throw the numbers out. It's good, uh, yeah. but once you start putting numbers to it, all of a sudden, and then also go back to the system influence, how much of this is the system, how much is this the teacher, that, which is my whole point about uh, if, if we're going to have merit pay, how much of, of, the, of the merit pay is based on the systemic uh, yeah. influence versus the teacher influence, and um, I think there's no doubt teachers have influences on our, our student learning. They have a lot of influence, but how much of it is to the teacher? How much of it is to, to the system? What about the teachers before them? I mean, it's just, there's so much unknown that I would rather yeah. just give all teachers better pay and, and, and focus on the system because merit pay doesn't improve the system. It's just, 
Uh, it just rewards, I think Deming said this, it rewards those employees that function better in the system than, than others. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, um, and I know, so in Round Rock, we do T-tests, and I know Leander has a different variation, but it's, it's very similar um, yeah. to T-tests. And talking about the student learning objective, but going even bigger than that, just to the whole evaluation, observation process, I, there's actually a lot of great stuff in the, mm -hmm. um, in the T-test system and in the, you know, like I like the rubric, the descriptors, the evidence. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the whole the whole idea kind of gets at what we're talking about. That the focus is all on what is the real evidence in the classroom of what's going yep. on. Yep. And I like that. Um, and then you know, I've been able to have really good conversations with teachers, and it's it's a great um, you know feedback loop. And then you mm -hmm. get to that point where, like you're talking about, then there's got to be this rating. You know, you yep. have to say, okay. And now I'm going to say you're proficient or you're accomplished. I'm going to put a label or a ranking on you. And it's just like it almost undoes all of the effective parts um, mm -hmm. by having that thing, kind of like what you're talking about, putting a number on the learning objective. Uh, yeah. It's just, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Interesting <laughs> for sure. Um, Greg, my goodness, I took a lot of the time, and uh, this has been tremendous for me. I've, I've been taking some notes and um, – some resources I'm going to look into, and I'll go back over just um, not just for like um, processing or editing this, but just to process through the content of it again because um, it's been very, very helpful. It's a great learning experience um, for me. Um, and again, you have in search of profoundknowledge.com, you have a mm -hmm. Facebook uh, page in search of profound knowledge, and mm -hmm. then you are at Greg Graham. G-R-E-G-G-R-A-H-A-M on Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, so I appreciate your time uh, so much and your leadership, your influence, the fact that you're thinking through all of this stuff at a deep level, um, even while not being in a school setting. Mm -hmm. um, I, I appreciate that. I think it gives us all uh, another valuable perspective just from, from all of that. So thank you so much for doing this. Oh, thank you, Mark. I appreciate the, the opportunity, and, and I appreciate you uh, spreading uh, some of this knowledge uh, with your listeners. And the work you do every day in, in the school, supporting teachers and, and students there, that's um, very appreciative. I, I know that, that we all, are, especially this time right now during the coronavirus where parents are now having to be teachers, <laughs> appreciate <Yeah>. everything <laughs> that you and your staff does. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. I, I appreciate that. Let's uh, make sure we're we stay in touch, and uh, I want to mm -hmm. keep following your work and, and what you're doing. So, all right. Uh, thank you so much, Greg. I and right. have a have a great rest of your weekend. Hope you get to uh, see your parents soon. All right. Thanks, Mark. Happy Easter. Yeah. Same to you. Right. Thanks. Talk to you later. All, all right. right. Bye bye. Bye.
Wow. So that does it. That is the conclusion of the interview with Greg Graham. Hopefully you enjoyed all three parts. This idea of a mastery transcript that he talked about and the idea that's being forwarded by people like Ted Dindersmith and Tony Wagner and David Langford, Bill Bellows, W. Edwards Deming, all of these uh, people that were mentioned or that influenced his thought throughout these interviews. Um, just some really great things to think about there. And this question that I hope that we all reflect on, especially in this day and time and what we're going through right now, what's the worst thing that could happen if, and then you can fill in the blank with whatever that is, but what is the worst that would happen if we changed certain parts of our education system? What would it uh, do to our teachers, our families, our students as we move forward? Something to reflect on there. Well, I want to extend my gratitude once again to Greg Graham, thanking him for the time that he put in to do this interview. Um, it was a real pleasure for me. It's given me a lot to process. I'm glad I got to go back through and listen to it again myself. I hope you enjoyed it. Please go to our Facebook page at How Much Greater and join our Facebook group. Put some comments there, some feedback there. Also, follow us on Twitter at How Much Greater and give some thoughts and feedback there to this episode and this interview as well. And then, of course, reach out and follow Greg Graham. At Greg Graham is where he is on Twitter. But also, one of the best places to go is the Facebook um, page in search of profound knowledge in search of profound knowledge he also has a blog that is in search of profound knowledge all together.com thanks so much for listening to this episode of how much greater podcast and mark's mentors and i hope you have a wonderful day